It's 12 after 10 o'clock. Let's get straight into our conversation. Let me welcome onto the show Lichisa Zenodi, the Deputy Speaker of the National Assembly. Zenodi, good morning to you. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you, Cassie. Uh, it's our job. You've been... Uh... You've been busy um, the last couple of weeks getting ready for uh, the State of the Nation address tomorrow. What would you say is the state of preparations right now? Uh, We are almost ready, Cathy. We've been having meetings to hear briefings from various parts of the people with responsibility for taking care of things from a different from different points of view. Mm. So the reports we are getting as we came out of a meeting yesterday is that no, things are almost ready. Uh, we just wanted to make uh, to get assurances that problems will not arise, for example, from the logistics preparation, the systems, the receival of guests, and their accreditation and things like those things. It's important that we have an important... We This uh, particular sauna is an important one. It's the last one for the sixth parliament uh, uh, to which uh, the president will, will speak to the nation. And it is also that practically We've been busy with preparing for the next intake of members of parliament, mm. new members of parliament, so that, for example, all committees have almost finished writing their legacy report. In other words, the work they have done, the work that remains outstanding, and one, what needs to be prioritized. Although that will be the decision of the incoming uh, structures of parliament in after the elections do, do you as as presiding officers also put together put together a, a, a closing report um of 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 sort how was how your term of office um determined in a period like this well we we must also put together some form of legacy report that's for example the speaker at the beginning of each term looks at her functions and delegates some of those functions to us, uh, for example, to, to their deputies. Uh, and in the National Council of Provinces, the same thing. So we must report on what work we've done around some of those key areas for which we were delegated. So yeah, we are, we, we are uh, working on that report. So the deputy, the incoming deputy speaker, will receive a report uh, about what work we were doing, we're busy with, what we wrapped out, what we didn't, and how what is left needs to be attended to. Because some of what we left, what mm. we will leave, was by agreement with people, with specific sectors. It was not our personal uh, whims that we were talking about. We were talking about our relationship with key stakeholders. And so we must give a report about the progress we've made with that. Is there a sense, Ndadetsonodi, that, um, you know, as you prepare for really the conclusion of of this sixth administration, that, um, you know, is there a sense of saying goodbye 
greater than it has been before because realistically, this is also the first time where we are sitting with the possibility of of an ANC that is, um, you know, under 50%, under the majority threshold. We have independent candidates that are likely to be represented um, in, 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 in a way that we, we haven't really seen before in this country. And I say likely because, you know, those, those seats are seats that the independents are contesting for uh, against political parties. So, um, you know, it will really be up to voters um, to decide how many independent candidates they send to parliament, if any at all. And, and so th- there's a lot of change potentially um, that, that awaits us on the other side of, of the election. Kathy, I'm talking to you from Cape Town, and one of the things we are never certain about is the weather. <laughs> There's a journalist from a radio station, I think his name is Glenn Thomas, I said this the other day. He, Whenever he would have said the 60% chance of rain and the next thing Cape Town is so beautiful, it's sunny and bright, no rain. So he said, I'm tired of being wrong. The problem of speculation is that is often our speculation calculated based on whatever we think we are making on, including polls and surveys. Uh, they are often not as accurate as they are. There's one or two of them that have been very consistently accurate. Others have proved absolutely wrong. Anything will happen during the elections. And between now and the election, significant things are going to be taking place and that will, they will change moods in certain spaces. And what we think will happen may not happen. So uh, it's me who is having uh, what you call the sense of goodbye, personally, not political. Politically, I'm somehow confident that uh, <clears throat> what people are suggesting may not, in fact, uh, happen the way they anticipate. Of course, me too are making assumptions based on what I know and I'm sensing on the ground and so on. And that too may be my own calculation, but it's it's my it's my guess if I may put it that way. And 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 why then the goodbye on a personal note? Cassie, it's my thirtieth uh, this December. If we were to go up to December would have been 30 years as a public representative. Now, for all intents and purposes, I think I must do something else different. I think I must hand over to younger people and uh, and other people. They don't have to be younger, by the way. I'm of the view that in any uh, political environment, there must be intergenerational mix. Uh, we can't only have the young. Uh, we must have an intergenerational mix. But I think it's time for me to part ways with uh, parliamentary work. I've done it for a long time. And I think uh, the legacy we will leave, we hopefully will be used significantly to give a good launching pad for the incoming uh, so, 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 does that mean um, that it's an that personally you are not going to be available to be reposted back to Parliament 
as a presiding officer or even as an MP or any position in Parliament, really? Ndajitzenodi? All right. Uh, just double check. You may have accidentally muted yourself there. But is it okay? No, it doesn't okay. appear. I'm muted. Okay. okay. Yes, okay? yes. You're, you're, you're back on the line now. Thank you're you. back on the line. Thank you very much. No, let, I was saying that uh, I pleaded with Balekambet, uh, my sister, when she was the speaker here in 2019, that she must tell the officials she was working with that she and her deputy are not coming back. But she laughed at me and suggested, listen, it's not your decision whether you come back or not by the, the organization that will decide that. But if I'm asked, I will request to be released, but I have not been asked. So that's that's the point I'm making. It's the decision of the organization that will decide whether I come back or not. I'll try my best to plead to allow me to go and uh, do other things, save the the struggle from a different angle. All right, and 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 and, and certainly, you know, when you talk about this need for an intergenerational mix in in Parliament and needing the voice of young people, it it's it's one of the things that. Um, South Africans also talking about. And I think it applies more broadly uh, across our leadership. And Why do you think yes. that it's an issue that has to be campaigned around? And by that, I mean, it's not happening on its own. There has to be a push for it. Um, there has to be meetings and commitments and lobbying. Why is that? You see, nothing happens automatically. We have uh, agency. The organization itself, that, for example, the organizations that sends us to parliament as public representative needs to make an assessment that says we need uh, experienced leadership. Let me give a personal perspective. I have already been saying, for example, when I address the Southern African uh, a public accounts committee that met in Durban, I suggested that I'm making a public appeal to all political parties to ensure that they bring to parliament those who they will deploy, for example, in public accounts committees, experienced MPs, people who will be able to understand the system and understand the relationships of, of authority and power in the organization so that those who are deployed to serve in this uh, committees are experienced people. But I also said uh, continuity is important, but it has to be accompanied by appropriate changes of infusing younger people uh, with different qualifications and skills. Uh, and, and of course, with an understanding that they learn their role from those who have been there before. So you need both components uh, in appropriate proportions. You can't just only have young people and so on. These things have to be uh, de uh, debated and explained continually. Some people assume that simply because they are young, it's automatic that they must be included. So they need to be shown that 
while that is correct, it has to be on good grounds that we do that. We also want to ensure that as a political organization, we send people in parliament who will not take long to be familiar with what needs to be done. And they are also continuous learners because that's a very important attitude that we must have in potential public representative. The political system is complex. It's not easy and it should not be taken for granted that you just need a degree and you'll be able to make it. You don't, you have to be taught. There has to be appropriate induction for those who come in uh, because otherwise people will literally run rings around you if mm. you do not have the experience, but you are educated. That's, that's important considerations. Which is fair enough. Uh, I suppose the, the issue really is about saying that pipeline of, of young people that need to be learning, is it as steady a stream as, as what we would need um, to ensure that we do have an effective um, parliament going into the future? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. By the way, uh, uh, we have to observe the degree to which it is consistent. In other words, we have sufficient young people in the ranks of candidates uh, so that uh, the continuity aspect and appropriate change go together in appropriate proportions. Uh, that is what we need to be doing, those who make choices about candidates. There must be a careful consideration that we think we've got good numbers on both sides, so we won't have a, a big problem. They'll be able to learn from those who are mm. there and so on. So that's what... So parliament itself, for example, the quality of public representatives who end up inside parliament uh, depends on each political party to send in people here who at least in this... We are not starting afresh. We have people who have, who have gone through the ropes. But there will be some who are completely new, of course, uh, but uh, the idea is that uh, in Parliament, we we will benefit from the choices of political party of the candidates they send here for a, uh, for a Parliament that operates swiftly on good grounds and so on. And inside Parliament itself, uh, the programs we have designed are implemented effectively for induction, not just once off, but continuous induction. All right. And the building of capacity of MPs. All right. I, I want us to talk about um, the new rules that uh, are going to be coming into effect tomorrow. Tell us about these new rules that have been adopted. This is um, largely around <coughs> joint sittings um, and, and, and what those are going to mean. Well, the principal uh, 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 rules reinforce those that are in existence and they work together. The principal trust of the rules is that the president should not be interrupted when he, the, when he is making his address. Uh, I was wondering whether to say he or she, but currently the president is still a he. So I want to, and the reason is that uh, we must recognize that these rules are made as a result of experiences of MPs across political parties, 
that in order to ensure we do not have a repeat of problems in the house of of what is called uh, the decorum of the house when the people have been informed that the president will address them on major uh, account. uh, Just to respond to an earlier question uh, or comment, uh, Kathy, the State of the Nation Address is an accountability platform. Every year, uh, there's a major session of this program during which the president has to come to parliament publicly to account for what he indicated on behalf of his team that they're going to do, what they have achieved and what they have not achieved and what can be done differently and what will be done differently. It's an accountability uh, responsibility. It's critical for democracy. We can't elect people and they hardly ever come to give an account of what they've been asked to do. This is why it is a crucial moment in the country. And we invite all three arms of the state uh, under the same roof during that period so that this accountability exercise is seen to be what it is. We also involve other uh, civil society, people who have been appointed by their provinces as as veterans and so on, to also be present here as a as a as a way we are people of ritual. All right, we seem to have lost that connection again to uh, Leticia Zenudi, the Deputy Speaker of the National Assembly. Um, on that note, let's take the 10.30 news headlines. We'll continue the conversation with him shortly. on SAFM. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Uh, the presiding officer for parliament, deputy speaker of the National Assembly, Lechisa Zenodi, is our uh, guest for this morning. Mr. Zenodi, are you back on the line? Yes, I am, Kathy. Yes. So you were still explaining the rules, the new rules to us that they are about, um, they prohibit um, those in, in the National Assembly from disrupting the president's speech? Yes, interrupting him during his speech, yes. Does it apply just for the State of the Nation address, or is it every time that he speaks he can't be interrupted? Any joint sitting, any joint sitting, and it's not just for the sauna. Uh, It's a joint sitting. Uh, The rules that apply in the joint sitting of parliament whenever it is called upon and so on. So so that means that for for the debates as well? Yes, yes. Okay. So does that mean that MPs are still going to be able to raise their points of orders during the president's address? The rules are uh, whether you raise it and you don't and how often you're allowed to do so is what you'll be tempered with. Uh, 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 in any in any sitting, people can raise those things, but not break the re- the reason for their amendment is to reduce the abuse of the the of this kind of rules. For example, that you are asking about, sometimes these are abused and creates an ongoing uh, waste of time for things that have been ruled upon. 
So that's the reasoning behind them being amended to ensure that they have better effect, that people are given an opportunity to hear the president throughout. And then, of course, they can take the president on during the debate, which is okay, so, so, what so how many, so, so how many points of orders then are, are now going to be allowed? I don't have that kind of detail, uh, Kathy. Mm-hmm. The, the presiding officer will decide that, uh, but the, the way they are framed, they will enable the presiding officer to take important decisions in the course of that yeah. debate. Yeah. So, so what I want to is to get get a clear sense for myself and and also for our listeners about what the new rules mean, so that when we watch the State of the Nation address and yes. we do see disruptions and people are called in, we at least have a, a solid basis of what we know and, and understand to be allowed in the new rules and to be disallowed in the new rules. So if it's entirely at the discretion of the presiding officer, that means that if one MP from any political party raises a point of order, then the presiding officer can simply say it's not allowed and that becomes the end of the story. No, it's not entirely on the because those rules uh, will be made explicit also right at the beginning, Kathy, so that they are not seen to be arbitrary or partial because of the position of a presiding officer in the event that these are exercised. They will be uh, explicitly stated at the beginning so that as we go through the, the course of the day, this is what is understood, the public will understand. These are these are the mm. rules of the game. They cannot be interrupted. So, so if 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 the president and 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 maybe let me not say if the president of if a president under the new rules yeah. um, says yeah. something in an address, whether it's this address or the one we'll hear later this year, um, mm. and what they're saying is not true. It's simply not true. And you have a member of parliament that stands up on a point of order to contest that. Will that now no longer be allowed? Uh, Kathy, uh, the, the 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 what is it called? The 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 manner in which the rules are applied in the house. When you want to contest. Uh, the the basis for a point of order is procedural or if something about you is be, is infringing uh, any of your rights as a person in the house in a problematic manner. It is not a point of debate. The, this is why it is allowed that the president's remarks must be debated. In the house, during his presentation of staff, if you say something that you think is incorrect, or as you say, it's, 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 it's not true, uh, your job is to wait for your opportunity to speak through your party to conduct that thing. Points of order are not for correcting political positions, for example. They are not meant for correcting political positions. This is why you have a, a right, for example, ordinarily, that Lechisa Tsenudi on such and such a day 
or yesterday raised the following things, and I think I'm being prejudiced by that statement. It is not true. It is not representing the reality as I know it personally. And here is the proof. That is allowed that a member can do that. But the issue is about interrupting the speech, not stopping people from speaking in the House. Okay. It may so, not even be the president, yes. Okay. So, so, so what are the points of orders for then, if, if that is not part of, 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 of why they exist? Mr. Tenodi? All right. It, it looks like you, you've muted yourself again. Um, just double check that you're not on mute. No, I'm not. Okay. <clears throat> I think it might just be the, the, the connection to you then. Yeah, we keep losing you, but you're back on. I don't understand why. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so my, my question to you I'm... was, then help us understand what is the point of order for? So what is the rightful use of the point of order? and the, the wrongful use of the point of order, as, as you stated. Yes, I said it is about the point of order is that the process as it is unfolding now is incorrect in the following manner. So there's a procedural uh, point that you are raising, that it is being violated correctly. These things should be happening in the following manner. Or what is being said prejudices me because I have not had an opportunity to say the following things, or that person there who is being addressed in the manner is uh, is being prejudiced and can't themselves respond. It's a uh, that's what is called privilege, uh, in that you you are being prejudiced by what is being said. So it needs to be contested. It's not about correcting, for example, giving an account of an event that took place in place A or something like that. That one is a political debate for which uh, your party or yourself have been given space to do so at the subsequent sitting of the House when the debate starts. It's not about correcting statements that are being made. It's only on violation of procedures, of prejudicing individuals in a manner that compromises their dignity mm, and it's inappropriate mm, to do so. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, that's, that, that, that's, that's one explanation for it, uh, uh, Mr. Tenuri. Yes. Thanks for that explanation. Of course, it's part of, of those that um, um, other MPs, especially from um, members of the opposition, will disagree with uh, because they believe it fundamentally changes the way in which um, they're able to actually hold leaders accountable in parliament. Well, no, it's not correct. It's inaccurate. If any, the, the rules were approved by the majority of political parties. There are 14 political parties. If there's anybody who disagrees with that, unfortunately, the majority of the political parties and members in the rules committee agreed with those rules, Kathy. We must point that out clearly. Before, yeah, yeah. Be before I, I, I take our, our listeners that, that are already on the line, uh, Mr. Tenodi, my last question to you is going to be around the last five years because this is the, the end of the sixth administration. 
what yes. do you think you you have been able to accomplish? How do you think the the term of office of the sixth parliament can be described? How would you, how would you describe it um, in in your own words? Well, I think there are, there are significant decisions that took long to make, but were finally made by way of uh, uh, legislative uh, uh, changes. In other words, providing uh, uh, legislative interventions that deals with some of the biggest issues that confronts our country. One of them is on gender-based violence. That several pieces of legislation that have been passed, uh, as I discussed with you some time back, are now being implemented, and the result will be significant as we implement this legislation. The second related piece of work that I think has been absolutely correct is the unanimous passing of legislation to enforce the uh, sign language as the 12th official language. Uh, we now have 12 official languages in the country. This is very important, and it reinforces the court, the constitutional court case that struck off a clause in the Property Act that made it difficult for blind people, for example, to be able to access books and literature on the basis of copyright, to be able to translate that into a braille which blind people are able to use to read. So that was a very crucial court decision which must now we must now oversee its implementation that nobody is discriminated against against that. All right. So some of this legislation, including continuing uh, basic condition of employment and the increase in the in the minimum wage are crucial interventions that has enabled uh, at least uh, the poorest in our country who are at work. There are people who work but get paid so low that it's very uh, dangerous. So we think those interventions, including others of a similar nature, has been very crucial interventions that has happened in the last five years and reinforced by... All right. Um, let me then go to the phone lines. I'm going to kick it off in KZN. I'm going to ask all of our listeners, please, there's quite a number of you on the list. So if you can keep it as short as possible, whether it's a question or a brief comment, uh, I'd really appreciate that. Ngosinati, you in KZN. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Katie. How are you with your listeners in the studio? Go, go straight into it, Ngosinati. Yes. I just want uh, uh, to ask the gentleman, he spoke about uh, two things, uh, the accountability of the SONA. So if they say uh, the rules, yeah. Uh, If you say it's it's all about the accountability on the rules, so who are the members of parliament, some of them who, uh, I mean, the the last of you who, who are proud yourself today and said, these are the things that we have done in terms of the the the, the legislation uh, uh, bringing up uh, uh, the, the, the the what you've mentioned uh, uh, the 
the rights of, of other people, I mean, who were, who, were not, who were not inclusive, I mean, in the parliament. And also the second one, the issue, uh, I mean. Nkosinati? Oh, Nkosinati, apologies for that. It looks like we've lost you there. Ernest, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Ernest, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning. Cathy, my thing is when it comes to the sonar, really, um, it, it does not benefit the country. Or it doesn't benefit any person, not the country, the person. It doesn't benefit me. The thing that benefits me is the, or, or the thing I've been listened to is the uh, um, budget speech. That is more important than the sonar. We know any promises made by, by Cyril Ramaphosa, whatever president ever, none of them come to pass, and we know that. I'm so glad that the gentleman that he has spoken to, he has now spoken about the case that colored people, the so-called colored people, and he doesn't call us colored people anymore, call us brown people. That is who we are. Now, my thing is this, we, we are oppressed by this government, and nothing is said about it. Uh, like the new policy that they implemented, we, we cannot get work. My child cannot get a job. Um, I want to know, is, would, would he agree that colored people should not get work, or, or the brown people should not get work? That is so, when the, your president said no one will be left behind. Well, a group of people have been left behind. Thank you. All right. Thanks for that, Ernest. Mike, you're out in Newlands. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Cathy, and good morning to uh, Deputy Speaker. Uh, I want to just say thank you for coming on the radio. It's wonderful to hear from you. Uh, if you knew how many times I've written to email to, the, to ANC and P's and everybody replied, at least you come on air. But I do ask the question, why do members of parliament call themselves the people's representatives when they're not elected? by the people. It's the party that puts them in Parliament, their party representatives. Probably that's why they never acknowledge my emails. The question I want to ask you is this. Healy Mbalula, uh, ANG uh, Secretary General, admitted recently that essentially the entire NIC of the ANC lied to Parliament. They went to Parliament, they agreed on the lie, the lie was the fire pool, and it seems to me now in Parliament, when people take the oath, uh, we can say, well, great, he's taking the oath to serve our country and to be honest. In fact, that means absolutely nothing at all. So should we not just do away with the oath? Because we know the lies are going to continue to flow no matter what happens. And a quick question, whatever happened to the other lie that the speaker told us about Scalani George? When he joined, he was earning a salary of $2.2 million, a money that I can only dream of. And then contrary to what the speaker told us, the salary suddenly went to 70% to 4.2 million rand. Uh, Deputy Speaker, what does a man do to earn 4.2 million rand? I don't know. But that's another lie the speaker told us. Is that going to be dealt with as well? And thanks again for coming on air. Thanks, thanks, Kathy. All right. Thanks for those questions, Mike. Brilliant questions. Um, All right. Let me give the speaker an opportunity to respond, Mr. Tsenodi. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Kathy Mosasana. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Lechisa Zenodi is our guest for this morning. He's the Deputy Speaker of the National Assembly. Mr. Zenodi, I want to give you a chance to respond to um, Ernest Ngosinati and Mike's questions uh, before I take the rest of our callers. Okay. 
Firstly, case in Kosnati, I think he was uh, implying that perhaps there may be MPs excluded in the making of the decisions about the rules, if I understood him correctly. But it's not correct. The, the procedure is that the rules are proposed, any party can do that, and they are taken to the, to the rules committee which debates and finally makes a decision. A decision that is made there is then brought to the House. The House approves it. So the entire parliament votes on the matter. And once approved by the House, those amendments of the rules, they are applicable. They can't be applicable. And this is why they are brought to the House for voting on, so that if the majority of members of parliament approve those rules, they apply to all members. They are not used selectively. Uh, I can't, when I'm sitting there as a presiding officer, apply rules that only apply uh, to the opposition and not to the ANC. That would be a dangerous impartiality and wrong. So we don't do that, generally speaking, unless someone substantiates an allegation that we were impartial in making a decision at some point or another. And we have uh, instances where the courts have themselves uh, kicked out some of the cases against uh, this on the grounds, for example, in the recent past, that parliament has the responsibility and right to govern itself. And so no, no one, uh, uh, what is the word? No one arm of the state can determine how the other operates unless we cross boundaries and it's shown to be legally appropriate to do so. So Nati can be assured that we don't discriminate as presiding officers in the application of the rules or in generating rules. If we have a different view of the rules, you given a platform where these are discussed so that you can have an input. And uh, the, some of Mike's questions, uh, uh, no, the oath remains valid and appropriate. And when it is violated, uh, the ethics as well as the Powers and Privileges Committee uh, take action uh, to prosecute those, so to, to use the court language, to prosecute those who have violated them so that they are sentenced appropriately. And, and this has happened over time, the ethics and the powers and privileges have looked at cases of violation of the oath and ethical expectations uh, so that in an appropriate manner uh, they are sentenced. And then those reports go to the House for the House to approve. And that's what happens. That's what has happened in the past, generally. And uh, what is the other question? The question that uh, about the 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 CEO. the secretary to the secretary to parliament yes, yes. Uh, that matter because I uh, the speaker was mentioned as the person who may have broken the powers and privileges and so on that I had to act in that capacity and what I did is to forward the the matter to the powers and privileges for them to look at it and then report back. 
That's why it is at the moment I'm unable to talk about the outcome. We haven't received the report yet. And so we expect that when that comes up, that matter will be for discussion. But I just did what the procedures allowed us to do so that the matter is considered, as I've just said earlier on, and then so that we can then talk on an informed basis once it is, is this hundred. Okay. Let me go to Butana yeah. in Rosebank. Butana, good morning. Good morning, Kevi, and good morning to your guest, Mr. Tenodi. Mr. Tenodi, I'm so disappointed with you and your colleagues. We have rendered the parliament dysfunctional in terms of accountability. You are accounting to yourself. That's only that thing you are doing. You and the former defense minister of Guptas, who landed the, 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 the Guptas in, in the Air Force, Water Air Force, you, you are all protecting uh, Palapala. That's all. You are making this thing a mockery. It's so disappointing. You are talking as if now you are so upright. You are acting partial. Understand that. And it's frustrating looking at you as old you are, guys, and you are behaving the manner you are behaving. All right. Butana out in Rosebank. Pete, you're in well, welcome. Good morning. Uh, let me tell you uh, that that man is talking to you. El Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was destroyed. His kingdom was, he is making black people to suffer. He's also going to stay in the state and argue uh, house like others. Thank you. Okay, yes, Pete. Yes, and that is an audience. I didn't hear the last speaker. Yeah, look, I, I was struggling to make out what he was saying as well, but I think he said um, something about in the same way that um, you know, people are being condemned to a life of poverty, then mm. you will also suffer and stay in the shack. Okay. Okay. Are there any other callers, Kathy, you are taking? Kathy, are you there? Thank you, thank you, Ndajetinodi. Thank you for your service. Thank you, thank you very much. We appreciate you, we appreciate you, and we wish you well in your health, in whatever you are going to be doing. Thank you, thank you, Ndajetinodi. Salute! Hi, this is Kathy. This is Kathy Kwena here. Um, I'm glad you have uh, people like your guest there in the in the in the studio, and I'm glad voluntarily uh, he can confirm and see that he is old, you know, to give others a chance. So, oh, on the changing of parliament uh, rules and regulation, please ask your guest why, uh, until today, the parliament is not uh, independent because we can say it's independent, but honestly is not because the people who are serving in uh, political parties um, candidates like your Balegambeta and all those so why is it not independent and have independent panel 
who serve the Parliament of South Africa, not the political uh, sphere. And secondly, why they don't implement these rules in the in the Parliament that when you reach certain age, you can't serve the Parliament. Okay. Thank you. God bless. All right. So, so those are just some of the other comments from our listeners. I'm going to give okay. you 40 seconds to respond before we conclude and I hand over to news. All right. Uh, Casey, we must not allow ageism, in other words, discrimination on the basis of age to determine the quality of our discussions. It's incorrect. Uh, there are people of my age who feel still strong and can still be performing at the best of their ability. Their experience is absolutely critical. We can't have ill-informed people who assume because of their age they can do better. It's not been successfully done. It shouldn't be allowed. Secondly, I think the parliament is an independent arm of state, but it works cooperatively with the chief justice and the judiciary, with the executive led by the president. Uh, we've just had a very successful uh, speaker's forum, legislative oversight seminar uh, conference attended by the regional speakers uh, in the continent. And we had uh, successful discussions there on a variety of processes of lawmaking, of oversight, what can be done differently to improve the quality of our interaction with the executive, for example, to ensure effective oversight and accountability. So we are constantly looking at areas that might be our weakness, but we are sharing experiences to build our strengths arising from lessons we are learning there. Uh, the Constitution ensures that Parliament is, the, is independent. The political right. system is designed in the Electoral Act, and that has been passed. It is only now that we will have individual uh, members contesting elections to serve at the province and at national level. Uh, we will look at the, whether that is a good or bad outcome over time. We can't say that in advance, I think. All right. Mr. Tenudi, I'm sure this is the first of many conversations that we'll have um, in the lead up to the conclusion of this uh, sixth administration's work. Let me thank you so much for um, coming on to the show today. It's time for the latest news update.